Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team. Well, uh, welcome to a very special edition of Mariner's Pod. And uh, Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, it's loud where we are. Uh, ambient noise is great, which is unfortunate. We are at one of our favorite North Texas Tex-Mex restaurants. It is La Hacienda Ranch. It's one foot from the highway. <laughs> and we are... We are eating outside. We have been served chips and salsa. We have tableside guac coming. We have two orders of fajitas coming. Gary, it's great to be back at one of our favorite restaurants together. Yeah, it is great to be back. This is one of our favorite places. And to spend an off day in Texas, you sit outside in the 90-degree weather. You play some tennis, which we did. And uh, you eat some fajitas outside. That's an off day in Texas. Uh, there are also misters going, so we'll be drenched by the end of our meal. So I have to give, I gotta give a little love. Uh, our guy, Zachary, at Z Vizada, tweeted us, Gary, and he said, Any chance of getting a Mariner's pod of you two stressing out about the upcoming games together? Love listening to you ahead of the Toronto series last year. Zachary, thank you for the inspiration. I honestly forgot all about the fact that we did that last year before the wild card series and even though thank you iced tea just got delivered extra ice lemon you know they you just can't find much better iced tea than in the state of texas i forgot about it that we did that last year and even though this is not the playoffs it's, it's the, the playoffs. playoffs yeah i mean we, we know it is it's the playoffs for everybody so as we embark on these final 10 games, Gary, as we... Hey, thank you. Oh, I also got the queso mariano, which is queso with ground beef, guac, sour cream, and diced tomato. It's it's incredible. I got to say, it doesn't look great when you mix it all up. <laughs> but it tastes amazing. All right, so as we speak right now, a half game separates three teams. First of all, there's nothing this compelling in all of baseball. No, this is incredible. To think about how this has all played out, essentially a virtual tie in the division with three teams and throw the Blue Jays into the mix, the music's going to stop. One of these teams will be out. That's the stress level. It would be one thing if, like, hey, there's three teams in the mix. They're all going to get in. It's just slotting, which there's still some pressure there that you want to get the division. But this is one of these teams is not getting in. And it's incredible to think about 
we are heading down the final week plus of the season, and this is where we're at. There's no separation. Amazing thing, too, is like, I mean, remember, I think the, the last time we were here was when Brian Wu made his debut, yeah. right? right? And the Rangers looked like the greatest team ever. I mean, I, if memory served, they scored double-digit runs. Was it all three games? At least two. I think it was all three. Their offense was on fire. I mean, it's amazing to think that the Rangers were in first place r- approximately 149 of the first 150 days of the season. And now they've got a chance to not make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that, that could actually happen. When I think about this series, I I guess I'd rather be in the Mariners' position. Like, you just talk personnel. Obviously, you'd rather be at home, but the Mariners will get this team, the Rangers, for four at home to end the season. But, like, let's just start with the starting pitching matchups. The Mariners do have two rookies going in Miller and Wu. They have Gilbert going in the middle game. But I think on paper, you'll take the Mariners in this pitching matchup all day long. I think that's... I, I mean, let me take it back. All day long might be strong. Might be strong. You do have two rookies going. Yeah. But where those guys are right now... Well, thank you. Walk me and serve. Table side, of course. Uh, I prefer the Mariners' position. I think that's right. Uh, Texas has really struggled pitching in general in September. They have the highest or second highest ERA in baseball in the month of September. The bullpen especially has been really bad. And you take Scherzer out of the mix as well in the rotation. It has been a bumpy ride for the Rangers. And I think in general, the Rangers just haven't played very well besides you know, the one series blip essentially. It has been a rough road in September for the Texas Rangers. Now, I think the critical matchup to me and what's most important to me for this series, it's it's all going to come down to bullpen for me. Because even Wu and Miller, I don't think you're asking them to go deep at all. I think you're asking for give us your best four or five innings and let's let the bullpen handle the rest. I think the bullpen is going to be critical on both sides. And I think the better bullpen in this series that will be the team that wins the series. A quick amendment, which we're allowed to do on Mariners Pod. Uh, game one of that series, last time we were here, it was a close game. It's two nothing. Mariners lost. So the other two games, the Mariners got boat raced. So I just wanted to make—I I didn't want anybody having a better memory than me and me not knowing it. Well, uh, it's easy to forget that first one <laughs> after the, the second two. The last two were pretty scarring. I'll—I'll uh, I'll be the first to admit. All right. So I'm glad you brought up the bullpen because we just saw. We actually haven't talked about this, uh, you and me. We just saw Scott manage the bullpen like a playoff game in Oakland. Since the Seawall trade, we have not seen Scott go to Munoz, I don't think. You feel the same? In a non-ninth inning save situation. And he called on Munoz to pitch in the eighth to face, I think it was two, three, and four in the order. Scott has said overtly, like clear as day, Every game the rest of the way is a playoff game. These count just as much. And the Mariners are treating them like that so they can win a division and set up their rotation in the postseason. Like if Wu and Miller both went four and change and you lean on Logan Gilbert to give you the most innings, obviously. 100%. And let's be, let's be honest, like Bryce Miller hasn't gone six innings more than just a couple of times in the last, what, two months maybe? Yeah. 
So that's how it's going to be. Yeah, and what sets up really well is in Oakland, you didn't have to step on the gas with any of those guys. Yeah. You have an off day coming into the series, so I think you can ride the bullpen pretty hard if you need to. Like, I think if there's three close games in a row, we could see Brass three games in a row. We could see Munoz three games in a row. If the Mariners are trying to take all three, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think that is in play. That's the circumstance we're looking at coming into this three-game series. Okay, it's like rewind it to the TROP, which is an important series. You're going up against a great team, and obviously every win counts then too. A four-gamer. Scott managed the bullpen while managing the season. Yeah. He did not go to certain guys in obvious situations because they still had whatever it was. At any any certain time in that series, they still had four days or five days until their next off day, and they couldn't run Munoz. They couldn't run Brash. Both those guys went three straight days. For Munoz, it was the first time in his career he'd gone three straight days. If what we're saying is, is true, now that mindset's gone. Yeah. Like, it's every day is a one-game season. Now, obviously, at some point, one of those guys will be shut down. Yeah. Right? Right. But, like, if Munoz pitched all three games in Arlington because that's what the game dictated, because that gives you a chance to win each one of those games, and that means he's down when the Mariners get back home and Houston rolls in, I think that's what happens. Yeah. That's totally what happens. And I think that's the way you have to approach it. And the difference between now and Tampa Bay is the Mariners actually had a chance to reset. Yeah. And guys had some days off. And Oakland really helped in that regard. Because no one's had a hefty workload here recently. You know, I was thinking about some specific matchups. Because Corey Seager is the guy that yeah. is going to get all the attention in this series. He has been a wrecking ball just crushing everybody he is going to be the marked man for the Mariners when it comes to when they're going to deploy Munoz for example when Spire's going to come out of the bullpen because Spire whenever Spire's in a game he's going to be pitching to Seager I mean that that's what's going to happen he's the guy to me in this series if you limit his opportunities because he's going to get his hits You've got to limit the guys on base in front of them, for me, when it comes to this series. And that's going to be critical. Does this series feature the MVP runner-up definitively? Yes, it does. I mean, I mean Julio and Seager, right. Yeah. Which one is it going to be, right? I think it's become a two-guy race in that regard. To me, Otani's still the MVP. Which, is, which by the way, is like he has been obviously – He'll, he'll be a non-factor for what? The final, yeah. is it three weeks of this season? Yeah. Close to a month? And he's still the runaway MVP? That's incredible. I was talking about him possibly having the greatest season of baseball history. So MVP seems no. like a small consolation prize. But, yeah, no question about that. But it's Seager and Julio after that. And I don't know. It feels like the number, whoever finishes number two, May do it on the backs of this final stretch against yeah. one another. It's so razor thin. Like where those guys are right now, it strikes me as Seeger. Yeah, we're great, man. Thank you. Seeger is clearly the more polished hitter. Julio is clearly the more dynamic player. Yeah, all around. Yeah. 
I mean, Defensively, like, he plays center field. He's been sensational in center field. It's a, we haven't seen Seager for, for a long time now. And he's, again, unfortunately for Corey Seager, it's just kind of part of his being that he misses time every year, which is a shame for baseball and certainly a shame for the Rangers. But I don't know if there are many players who have been more locked in that you just roll the ballpark and you're like, yeah, he's going to get he's gonna get a hit and he'll probably get two hits. And one of them will probably be for extra bases. Like, with him behind Simeon, that's, you know, we just saw Mookie and Freddie Freeman, right? I mean, this is about as scary as it gets in terms of trying to erase the traffic in front of a guy. Yeah. We have fajitas coming. They're sizzling. Oh, we should get some effects of the sizzle. There we go. Hope that's getting picked up. There's, there's so much highway near us. <laughs> hey, thank you. Appreciate that. Outstanding. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes. You were saying. It was the Blue Jays that Seeger torched. And it seemed like every time he came up, it wasn't just, it was damage. Doubles, homers. He single-handedly led the charge in that series offensively. And... We're great, thank you. Yeah, it's tough because Simeon's in front of him, and right. Simeon's been really great this year, and there's some real hitters behind him as well. But he is the key for me. When I think about the Rangers' bullpen and how much it struggled, I think of their manager, Bruce Bochy, and how I went, you know, when Bochy managed those Giants' bullpens that won the three World Series. Bochy really was seen for the right reasons as kind of having the magic touch of the bullpen, right? And Scott has obviously managed the bullpen so well for a number of years now. But I think back to last year before the ALDS with the Astros, and somebody asked Dusty Baker how frustrated it was he was that he hadn't won the World Series. And he said, in effect, I don't play the games. It's the players who play the games. Nothing I can do about that. And I think that Bruce Bochy... Like, his bullpen isn't that great. And so it's tough to have the magic hand when your bullpen just isn't that great. And it's just, we talk, one of the narratives that just kind of is threaded throughout baseball conversation is how much impact can a manager have on a team. And I, I do believe that there is something to what Bochi brought the Rangers to get them here. But I also think it was spending $500 million in free agent contracts. And no manager, no matter how Hall of Fame bound they are, can manage a bad bullpen well. And there's a there's obviously a ceiling to that. And how those two managers will manage those bullpens? Will Bochi go to Andrew Heaney and Martin Perez to go? Like, what if Dunning doesn't have it after three innings, and he's like, "Hey, I need I need Heaney to go get me nine outs." I mean, it's going to be have to something be wonky like that because how short of a leash do you have on your starting pitchers in this in this three-game series? If it is, after all, like a playoff series. Yeah, I think it's going to be managed playoff-esque. It yeah. won't be to the yes. emergency level that's a good way to put it. that you see in a playoff game, but it's going to be playoff lights. Yeah. I think that's what we're going to see. One tricky thing along those lines is Perez pitched quite a bit his last time out, pitched out of the bullpen as the Rangers came back and just put a huge thumping on Boston in their last game. 
So I, I think he's knocked out of the mix. He may be more of a rotation guy here in this mm -hmm. final stretch. So it takes one option away from Bochi. But I was watching a game the other night. Bochi's face, Will Smith gave up a hit. Boston scores two. They take the lead. They win the game. And it looked like a guy just out of answers. <laughs> and then Smith comes back, and he's just banging his fist on the seat. Just, I think when it comes to a team in this sport, the most frustrating thing is losing games that you had won because of the bullpen. Losing leads late, I think it's so easy to get into a here-we-go-again scenario. And if the Mariners can make that happen again, it's in their mind already. And if you can get some traffic aboard, I mean, yeah. things can snowball. That is going to be something to watch. So Gary wants them to play mind games with the Rangers. Yes. <laughs> well, Zachary, we appreciate the idea. This was fun. Hopefully you can hear us okay with uh, the misters and the highway and the sizzling fajitas and the queso and the guac. Uh, we're going to eat now. Uh, we are super pumped for this series to begin, and we appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, this is Mariner's Pod. It's time to chow down. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The 1-2. Swing and a miss. A 102-mile-an-hour fastball. Andres Munoz breathing fire to Manny Machado. And he blows it right past him for round number three. I know I always asked you this last year what your favorite pitch was, but you have a new pitch on that list right now, and it seems like that pitch helped you when some of the others weren't working. So what, what is your favorite pitch right now? Uh, I have to say the fastball. Like, <laughs> We're going to make a tape of every yes, time I Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, it's, I, I don't know. It's just like every time that I throw the fastball, I can I can feel what I have that day. and mm -hmm. um, I'm... You throw it one time, and, and, and then I can start to work in different things, and depending on how I am that day. Right. Uh, but, yes, my February pitch is my fastball for sure. <laughs> and, and, I, and I know my slider hasn't been the same, mm -hmm. but, I, like I said, I'm still working on it. And, and I'm going to, even, if, even when I got it back again, I'm going to still working on different mm -hmm. things. And, 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 and that is my main thing right now, like concentrating in, in get that pitch back and... And as soon as I get it, like, throw it how I used to throw it. What have you learned about that pitch? What, the Zyder? Yeah. Uh, that I don't have to throw it every time. <laughs> that is one thing that I learned. And and especially, like, last year was a great season for me. Great, 
learning season mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and now the, the other thing is like now the other teams know that I throw that I threw a slider a lot mm -hmm. last year. So mm -hmm. hope uh, even they're going to sit on it sometimes. Right. And, and if I, I see in, in that in that perspective, mm -hmm. is that if if they see the scouting reports of me and they say he throws six, 60, 70%, obviously they're going to yeah. sit on that pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the thing like we have to keep working on it. Uh, and I uh, uh, hopefully I'm going to get in a point when When I, where I feel comfortable throwing uh, equivalent? Equivalent, yes. Equivalent, the, yes. the fastball, the slider, the sinker, mm -hmm. uh, and all came, all came together to, to do a better performance. You kind of saw that coming with the slider, I think, last year, when you started working on the two-seamer, that you, you kind of wanted something else just in case? Yes, just in case. Because I know, uh, and that is the other thing, like some days you don't, got, you don't have your slider. And some things is like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but if you don't have other pitch to 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 cover that, right? Uh, you you yes. You, you, what I, what you can do? You just have to throw fastballs, yeah. and, and they're going to see it on the fastball. They're going to hit it. Right. Like this is a big. Like, this is not like they they, they are good hitters, uh, mm -hmm. and they're going to do the adjustments. Um. We're getting into it right now. These these are the most important games. Every game is so big. What can you take from last year to kind of help you through these last two weeks and the situations that you guys are in right now? Uh, we've been here before. We we know what we have to do, and and we're going to do our best to to give the best performance that we can. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we going to have a pressure on because because we, we've been like that like all the year mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as soon as every every player start to play his game uh, do what he had to do working whatever he had to do uh, everything is going to start working uh, a lot better we start to see it come along and it's just don't panic right yes now, yes right? that is the thing like we we know that we are good so we don't have to panic uh, and and Obviously, we have to do the, the right adjustments, mm -hmm. but everybody has to do adjustments. Yeah. So uh, that that is a, that is the thing that I feel that I feel right now, mm -hmm. and feel we are great, and we're going to be really good this this next two weeks. A lot of confidence. We can't wait to see these next two weeks. Let's end with a fun one. You have to take yourself out of this. Who has the best fastball on the team? Brash. Okay. All right. I think. What What do you like about his? Uh, I don't know. Like, he throw hard too. <laughs> I, I. That is the only thing. Uh, and he lucky really good. You like the velocity. Yes, I like the velocity. You know, you know me. <laughs> I do know you. Who's got the best slider? Uh, that is an interesting question. Everybody in the bullpen have a really good slider. Uh, I don't know, Gabe, Topa, mm -hmm. Brash. Mm -hmm. Everybody have a good stuff there. They're all I mean, a lot different? Yes, they're a lot different, yeah. but uh, everybody have great uh, stuff. We'll see if you give the same answer that you gave last year. Last question. 
if you could take any pitcher, any pitch from any of the pitchers on the, your staff and keep it for yourself, whose pitch would it be? What pitch would it be? Topa cutter. Okay, that's a new one. That's a new, right. one. Okay. that's a new one. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I want to say topa sinker. Uh-huh. But I already have a sinker. It's not... It's not bad my sinker mm -hmm. so i i feel like you want the top of cutter yes top of cutter <laughs> andres thank you thank you it's blazing hot outside you get in your car to turn on the ac to get cold air pumping but it blows hot air out this issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the ac system you want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time ac pro recharge kits Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joel, you know, I, I asked Jerry Depoto about your backpack. Okay. <laughs> because every time I see Joel, he has his Jansport backpack. Now, I thought it was Jansport. Joel, He's corrected. holding his backpack had, right yeah, now. It's a, it's a much... Higher scale brand than yeah. Jansport. What do we got? What are we rocking? Uh, let's see. Herschel yeah. backpack That's purchased at Nordstrom. Oh, <laughs> oh. Big, big time analytic hey. guy yeah. here. Yeah. Now, uh, I won't specify whether it was the rack or not. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jerry said that um, all the Mariners' success. Is in that backpack. <laughs> uh, referring well, referring to wrong. a computer at some point. I mean, right right now, are we in the same room as the brainchild, the the computer that holds all the Mariner secrets? Uh, it's spread across multiple, but we have one in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is this it. like launch keys? Need like it. you have one, Jesse Smith has one. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not too dissimilar from the nuclear codes. Uh, <laughs> Turn the keys in no. three, two, one. Yeah. 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 The wheelhouse has some reach. I've gotten more comments on my backpack than I have in my <laughs> yes. in my time here. So it was completely, like everything in the wheelhouse, it was completely impromptu. We just saw you leaning up on the railing in the dugout on a sunny day in Seattle, wearing your Jansport backpack <laughs> like it was the first day of school for Joel. Yeah. Like you're back in the Palouse. Yeah, you I, know? Need, I need to write some Pearl Jam lyrics on it. Sure. <laughs> yes. yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, since we're talking about the kind of the internal workings of the Mariners. I know I, I was talking with Skylar Shibiyama, a co-worker yeah. of yours, who's such, such a part of the Mariners' day-to-day -day game planning and behind-the-scenes stuff. One thing that I did not really know about the people in the analytics department is that basically all of you guys are programmers. Like, you all write code. I mean, can you explain how, why, because you're all doing it and it clearly is a big part of what you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny to me that that kind of goes under the radar because I think of that as my primary job responsibility, but obviously there's a lot of other stuff. But but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different data streams that the league and, and the market gives you. So some of that would be data about what the pitches do. Some of that's data tracking, player movement, things like that. Some of that is just basic event tracking data that's been around you know, forever, but 
in order to sort of access that information, clean that information, structure it correctly, and then uh, use statistical techniques to, to glean meaning out of it, inherently, that's a lot easier to do if you can do it via computer science. And so, um, yeah, just about everybody on our staff has a computer science background and, and in some capacity, uh, myself, a self-taught background, <laughs> but, uh, and uses that on a daily basis. Um, I like to think that where we separate ourselves as a staff from, from other staffs is our ability to sort of take those concepts that we build with code and, and kind of bring them to life with words and visuals and, and connect with people. But, um, certainly you're, you're nowhere if you, if you don't have the actual analysis. So. So you have to be a nerd, but you have to be able to interact with people, too. Yes, yes, yes. Talkative nerds is our, our brand. Well, when we talk with you, Joel, we're always talking pitching, which is uh, great because there are a few teams that can pitch it like the Mariners. This year has been so interesting on the rotation side. Obviously, the two key injuries to Marco and Robbie Ray and then the two young rookies coming up and making an impact. It's funny, Joel. It's the most fastball Heavy rotation yeah. in baseball. Was this something that was uh, somehow seen into the future by the organization, or it just happened that the guys you went after all were fastball dominant? You know what's funny about that is I think if you asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said, like, well, yeah, you know, of course with Logan Gilbert, he'll be fastball heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one that's gone secondary pitch heavy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the other one that we sort of knew ahead of time uh, what I, I think we've always known that Bryce has a really special four-seam fastball. Didn't see the two-seam coming, and that's been a really nice weapon for him against righties. Big hat tip to our to our coaching staff for and to him obviously for um, for coming up with that. But you know, I think it's been a, a really interesting career arc for for Luis to go from. I, th I think he is more has fastball heavy than he ever has been, and that's just been his ability to both differentiate two fastballs, throw them really hard and, and throw them for strikes. And I think when you can do that, you can use your off speed as more, more of a change of pace than your primary weapon. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I, everybody's seen it. We've done a really good job of, of developing um, multiple fastball shapes. And I think anytime that you can do that, now you can, now you can use different fastball shapes to left and right, and that, that kind of makes it more like throwing multiple pitches than just throwing your fastball every time. So I think that's part of it. But I, I, I also think it just kind of the way it shook out, we got a lot of guys with, with really good heaters, and, and that's the way it's gone. And, and when it's time to throw a secondary pitch, they do that really well too. You mentioned throwing the fastball to lefties and righties, and we've seen kind of the evolution of the two-seamer back in the game, especially with this pitching staff. Is that why to have two different fastball weapons, essentially, to work against lefty-righty with different movement? I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a big part of it. I think another big part of it is just the variance of hitters. I, I, it seems as though prepping for, for the various lineups that we face, there's always one or two hitters in each lineup that either hammer a four-seam and struggle with two-seams or, or the opposite. You know, I think... I think players have those those types of tendencies that you can exploit as well. But but certainly generally there there's some general splits left to right, and that that's a big part of it as well. And I I gotta say I never would have thought uh, that adding a two seam or or, as, or a four seam coming up with two fastballs is, was as feasible as as we have sort of made it. Uh, and it's just a huge testament to our staff and players because it seems like um, just about everybody's been able to to develop that part of their game. Now, uh, we're talking with Joel Furman of the uh, Mariners Analytics Department, a pitcher specialist on the analytics side. Now, you would be too humble to say this, so I'll say it for you. I have uh, 
learned through various research, talking to many sources mm -hmm. within the organization, <laughs> that you were on the forefront of having Gabe Spire throw his two-seamer in on lefties. Is this fair? Is this uh, as, opposed yeah, to, as opposed to going up with his four-seamer? Definitely, okay. yeah. I think particularly in this sort of acquisition process, that was some, that was a, you know, as Jerry would say, a dial that we, you know, wanted to turn. Oh, recording, uh, I like it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. All right, so the way that Gabe's told me is that Pete Woodworth, before Gabe ever stepped foot on Mariner's property, right, they have a, yeah. a video conference call, and Pete tells Gabe, hey, we think you should throw your two-seamer in on lefties as opposed to your four-seamer up, which is not something he historically done. You told Pete to tell Gabe that. Uh, you were the one who kind of saw this in the background. I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you see that? Like, how, how do you look at a pitcher's particular pitch, the action on it, and then overlay it to a lefty in this case and say, oh, yeah, this is the way that you get it done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's some, I think there's some sort of, like, theoretical analysis that happens like you said you know what if this pitch happened here or, or things like that and there are ways you can do that I think more importantly though like a pitcher like Gabe you know he's been both in the minor leagues for a while and has had a decent amount of big league time coming to us like there were enough examples of him actually doing the two seam into a lefty thing that you can actually just it was pretty it was pretty easy to just put in front of him like here's what this pitch has done when it when you've thrown it to a lefty inside, the results have been very good. Um, Do it more. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's always a lot. It's always a lot easier both to see and to to I guess get buy-in for if there is a solid sample of the player actually doing that. And that was certainly the case with with Gabe. I remember when we spoke in spring training, we had a long conversation about different guys, and you had spotlighted Gabe Spire, you had spotlighted Justin Topa to me at the time, and. You know, they were there were two guys amongst a lot in you know spring we, uh, training. There's spring, there's spring training nobodies. I mean, there, there's guys everywhere in spring training, right. right? And here they are. They have had massive impacts on what this season has been. And for me, Justin Topa has been one of the great stories in baseball this year, given everything he went through and what he's accomplished this year. In your eyes, what has made him? so effective for the Mariners this year. Yeah, he, he's been incredible. I think I think what's notable to me uh, w watching what he's done this year, I think going into the year, what we sort of had confidence in acquiring him is just his ability to get righties out with that sinker. Like, I think we had what high con confidence that that sinker was nasty enough and he had a well, good enough command of it that you just wear that thing out to righties and, and you'll be good. I think what I personally didn't, see coming is just how effective he would be against lefties given his ability to just develop the other parts of his arsenal command his arsenal extremely well the lefties um i didn't have that one on my bingo card <laughs> he's been fantastic at that and that huge testament to just his work ethic and talent so yeah it's sort of development to lefties and and just a really really good sinker to righties you are pretty invested in a lot of these pitchers. I and mean, when we've talked over the years, it's clear that there are some guys, whether it's a draftee like Logan Gilbert or somebody who was acquired uh, as a free agent, uh, a low-level free agent like a Topa, uh, where you say to the room, like, hey, guys, I think this guy can be really good because of this. When I watch my nine-year-old in a Little League game, Joel, like when he has an at-bat, I mean, it's like, it's tense for me. Right? Like, for, I want him to get a hit more than he wants to get a hit because I want him. I want to see his smile. Right? 
when you watch these guys pitch, especially early, right? Like early Logan, early Topa, early Spire, when you said like, this is a guy, do you feel a little of your investment in a player when that happens? Yeah, I'm afraid I'm not the most fun person to watch a game <laughs> for that reason. Uh, I mean, I think, I, I truly do think that I, I more of my emotions ride on just wanting to get to the playoffs and wanting to see the team that I, you know, grew up caring an irrational amount about, <laughs> uh, you know, go to the playoffs and stuff like that. But, you know, I'd be lying if, you know, that type of thing didn't say that that type of thing didn't play into it for sure. Those are a couple of guys you identified, right? Uh, there are thousands of pitchers out in the world right now at all kinds of different levels. Are you constantly scanning around just in case? Like you never know who's going to become available at a given time. And of course, off season, there'll be free agents and minor league free agents. Like how does your process work during the season? Is it, is it, are you always on? Uh, yeah, I mean, that is where just like the amazing staff that we have comes into play. So we have like a, um, in fact, we're starting this now. We have sort of a, what we call the off season survey, but uh, basically all hands on deck exercise amongst our front office that is sort of geared towards finding targets, mm. you know, scouring the player pool to, to try and find players. And, and yeah, I mean, that that's about as collaborative as, of an effort as it gets um, in terms of the, the minor league side specifically, someone that has really, I think moved the needle for us uh, analyst named John Edwards um, kind of works on the pitching side with me very, very heavily. And it just has spent a lot of his time finding minor league diamonds in the rough and, and things like that. And, and finding ways to help our, our minor league pitchers take step forwards mm. uh, developmentally. So um, that's been huge for us, but uh, I, I certainly think when it comes to, scouring the very daunting player pool. Uh, I think that's a, a huge team effort. How much has it helped that this organization, really, from the coaching staff to the of baseball ops, certainly your department, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement. The personnel has generally remained the same. Obviously, guys will leave and get uh, promotions in other organizations where they're roadblocked internally with the Mariners, but it's been... The pretty much the same core group of people for a, a long time now. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, I, I don't really know the factors that go into that. I mean, I um, I think a lot of that's good leadership, and I think that's a lot. A lot of it is just I, I can speak for myself. Like I, I just really, really want to be here, and I, I think a lot of people are, are uh, share that. Um, and yeah, I, I I certainly think we benefited a lot from just kind of having the years to kind of grow together and, and learn our roles uh, be really hard to start from scratch in that regard. So I, I think that's been a big part of it. I remember running to you near the draft, which is such a, a wild time for you. What is September like? Yeah, I think, I think it gears a little bit more for me towards, I mean, there's the sort of long arcing research mm -hmm. projects that I work on that are boring and all of that. But I think in terms of baseball stuff uh, or, or day-to-day -day baseball stuff, I think it turns more into on-field strategy for that upcoming series, whether that's, you know, using the pitch data to glean insights for upcoming opponents or, you know, these daily bullpen calls that we have. I think there's, there's certainly some major league player evaluation things that happen via, you know, there are people going on waivers every day and stuff like that. 
So there's that. But I, I think, you know, once the deadline is passed, as my dad would say, the hay is kind of in the barn in terms of the roster. And so it's it's more sort of um, trying to look for developmental opportunities for your own players and, and more importantly, just sort of strategic stuff. Joel, this was great, man. Yeah. A lot of fun. It's Thank wonderful you to have you me. on the road. Uh, we shared a, a delicious steak in New oh, York. That was fantastic. Uh, Porterhouse for two at Walensky's Grill. And uh, one day, when you're not looking, we're going to rummage through your backpack. So <laughs> All right. We're going to take right. two of those lens wipes and the, <laughs> and, the, and the laptop, too. <laughs> All right. I'll uh, keep it secure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, guys.